Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome. This is uh, TV7 Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan. And joining me today for yet another edition is General or Brigadier General in Reserve, Doron Gavish, who is the former Chief of Air Defense of the Israeli Air Force. Thank you for joining me, Thank General. You. It's it's truly a pleasure. Uh, I must say that I always learn from you a lot, not only on, on uh, military matters, but also uh, beyond that. So it's it's a great honor having you here. Um, you. This program, we always start with a brief prayer, and then we'll dive into various uh, topics uh, of uh, keen interest, uh, which I think uh, are viewers uh, all over the world uh, should hear about uh, not only Israel, but also how Israel can contribute around the world uh, to make this world a better place, uh, for that matter. But uh, uh, if uh, you will, also at home, join me, uh, and uh, we'll immediately start. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to have General uh, Gavish here with me uh, for yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. Lord, guide our conversation that whatever we say will be to your glory and will be of service to all watching us right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so, Doron, uh, how about we'll start with a little bit of a teaser. Um, you are responsible uh, for a good thing, uh, the integration of... Uh, the Iron Dome air defense system. Uh, I remember during the Second Lebanon War, uh, missiles flying above us uh, while uh, uh, we were engaged in combat uh, vis-a-vis the Lebanese-Iranian proxy, Hezbollah, uh, with no response. Uh, There were roughly 4,000 rockets uh, fired from Lebanon towards Israel with uh, all of them hitting... uh, you know, both civilian targets as well as... Uh, um, uh, Probably the only reason that it was not a significant hit within Israel is because we are in the Holy Land. I couldn't miracle. find I couldn't find any, any other uh, reason for uh, it, but uh, it was a significant uh, threat. As you said, 4,000 rockets, and we just couldn't do nothing against them, which was, for me as an air defender, it was very, very frustrating. I, I can imagine. Um in a couple of days, uh, you will join me here together with also Colonel Ruven Ben Shalom and Amir Oren for an episode of Jerusalem Studio, where we'll discuss Israel's air superiority. So we won't go too much into uh, those capabilities. But to what degree, uh, when you were tasked with uh, integrating uh, the, the new air defense system, the Iron Dome, um, was that a revolutionary uh, yeah. Aspect. Uh, were you able to envision to what degree it would protect Israeli civilians? Well, it was it was revolutionary, and um, and you know we, we talked uh, we are talking about the system, and and also back then uh, it was uh, let's uh, we are planning to integrate this uh, system, uh, the Iron Dome into the defense of Israel. So it would be another battalion within the Israeli uh, anti. Uh, 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 artillery uh, uh, anti-air and uh, 
we understood that this is this is a game changer. It's not only a battalion in Israeli anti-air forces. This is uh, this is something uh, different. F- first of all, it touches our defense strategy. Uh, with when it comes to rockets and uh, missiles and and mainly rockets because the Iron Dome this is this is really the system that is against the rockets a short range the rocket I'm sure that we will discuss it later although it is short range rocket for Israel this is something strategic but um, but uh, but it really touched touched the the defense uh, design of Israel and the defense strategy because before of that. We had, uh, you know, um, basically Israel, when it talks about the uh, rockets and missiles and the defense of Israel, we have a, a, a defense strategy, a military defense strategy against this area. And uh, the idea is to have uh, attack capability in order to deny as much as you can the rockets or to punish them, is to have a good alert and intelligence, and uh, to have, uh, of course, deterrence is, is above everything, and defense capabilities. And before this area, the defense capabilities were only passive capabilities. Lesson learned from the first uh, Gulf War. So it is shelters, it is um, educating the population how to um, how to go to the shelters and all those things. But but when the Iron Dome came... Which is still relevant. Which is fully relevant uh, to them. I'm sure, again, that we would discuss it. But when the Iron Dome joined the, the um, I would say, the fight, we had the capability of kinetically intercept the um, our uh, the rockets coming uh, from from our enemy and it really became a game changer of, of this that it really boosted our strategy boosted our uh, our deterrence and and at the end of the day it saves lives and uh, and again goes back to to your prayer because this is you know this is the systems that saves life directly because if, if we wouldn't have it imagine yourself in the last escalation that we had which was a minor escalation there were more than thousand rockets going toward israel there were more than 400 rockets going toward the cities of israel 96 percent of them were intercepted imagine yourself if those 96 percentage were not intercepted it was the destruction the, the loss of uh, lives and so on w- would be significant and we were completely in a different situation so so the iron dome was really a, a, a game changer uh, into the defense of israel and uh, back then and uh, you know i i, I wrote uh, an, an article about the air defense which was again i was commanding of the israeli anti-aircraft forces and we defend we changed it to the israel defense forces because we understood that it, this is a completely different uh, ball game, and uh, we had to change our strategy. And at the end of the day, the Israeli air defense shifted from being a tactic important force within the air force to a strategic force, important force within the Israeli national strategy. You so, highlighted the strategic element of this, and I think yeah. it's important to explain to uh, our viewers back home uh, who the majority of them do not have uh, necessarily military understanding or military backgrounds to understand the depth of uh, this conversation. Uh, When we're looking at the territorial depth of field of Israel, we're talking about a very small piece of territory. That's right. So even though the Iron Dome is capable of intercepting whatever comes into Israeli territory, even missiles that are shot from Gaza can strike the heart of Tel Aviv, making exactly. them a strategic threat. Exactly. So to what degree is this strategic element 
uh, so much harder for those systems to operate within. And, and you're right, you know, talking about the strategic depth and, and to our viewers in, in the United States, I, I always give uh, this example to my American friends is that uh, we can take Israel to put it into Michigan Lake and it would sink. So we're not so big as it looks in the news. And uh, so strategic debt, this is, this is a, a big issue. At the beginning of Israel, of, uh, of, uh, during the establishment of Israel, the first wars, the, 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 the main concern was that we don't have a strategic debt and the ground forces could uh, you know, uh, invade Israel uh, easily. Today we are in a bit uh, different uh, situation with the countries around us, but strategic debt, is really relevant to rockets, and uh, you you you're super right because uh, you know it's it's not so far away between the Gaza Strip and, and Tel Aviv. We have uh, something like sixty kilometers. This is this is uh, a bit more, but this is it. Mm. So a rocket uh, that uh, let's say in in an, another place in the world, uh, whatever. Uh, it would be only next to the border in Israel, this could hit the, the center of Israel, which is uh, Tel Aviv. And also Jerusalem, by the way, 100 kilometers from the Gaza Strip is Jerusalem. So this is really the heart of, of the, the economy of Israel. And, uh, and if um, there is a, a rocket attack that we cannot deal with, it means that uh, the, the cities of Tel Aviv, Jerusalem would be hit it. And, and this, is, this have a significant application to our economy, it stopped our economy, uh, our uh, airport, national airport is not far away. So this, this is what it means uh, strategic. Strategic means that um, a military means are, um, are applying in such a way that the country uh, is stopping to, or it's in, in uh, its uh, economy is being uh, affected uh, in a way, or, or, or people's ability even to walk on the streets. So um, the, the moral of the, the, the people and so on. So this is really strategic. When we look around us, uh, when I look to the Gaza Strip, following uh, Shield and Arrow, which uh, took place just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about great successes, obviously, of the IDF in cooperation with the ISA, being able to eliminate much of uh, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad capabilities. Nevertheless, uh, at the end of uh, that operation on the Saturday, particularly uh, when the ceasefire, the Egyptian brokered ceasefire was uh, Mm -hmm. ratified, we heard uh, the Israeli National Security Advisor Tzachia Negbi during uh, uh, Shabbat Tarbut here in Mevaser Zion, uh, Saturday of Culture, they call it here, mm-hmm. um, speak about the quantity of missiles that uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas have. Uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, according to estimates, has roughly 6,000 left. Uh, Hamas has about four times that. And then I go to the north, Lebanon, uh, roughly 450,000, uh, an estimate, mm-hmm. a rough estimate in, in Syria, probably double that. If we're looking at everything, of course, uh, not necessarily mm-hmm. utilized particularly against Israel, but beyond that, is Israel prepared to deal with a multi-front challenge or will this force us to focus on strategic assets rather than the general public, considering the fact that uh, I hear from multiple generals in the Israel Defense Forces that the public is not necessarily prepared for such a scenario. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you're, you're right in this that, uh, in a way, our success in the South is, uh, might be a negative lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if we would be uh, needed to, to uh, fight against a multi-direction uh, uh, threat and every, everyone would throw rockets uh, into Israel, mm-hmm. for sure it would be a different uh, story. Still, I think that there would be a success. Uh, still, there would be high percentages. But it won't be 96. This is uh, for sure. Because you have really to look at what are you defending and how are you doing it? And are you reserving some of your um, uh, interceptors uh, for a long fight and, and so on? But, but going back to your original question, basically there are, I would say, two angles that we could look at, how the way that we are preparing ourselves to such a situation. And by the way, this is exactly what we are doing. So it, uh, it means that if we're looking what happened in the South, this is okay, um, but it's not the, really what we are preparing for. We are preparing for this uh, uh, fight that we would have against the Iran in the east, uh, Hezbollah in the north, Syria and Hamas and everyone on the same time. This is what we are preparing. So how do we do it? First with the defense strategy against rockets and missiles and now we are focusing on this. It, first we have an attack capabilities that the Israeli attack capabilities, our UAVs, our, our air forces, uh, our intelligence, there are uh, targets which we know that are already there. Thousands of rockets, uh, target, thousands of, uh, of targets that are just being, you know, the, the book is already there. I think in layman's terms, it's, it's important to interject for the sake of our viewers. Whatever you see in movies uh, regarding technologies, advances, and all kinds of things like that are not even... Uh, in, in the slightest grasp of imagination of what military capabilities today achieved already and are able to achieve and are able to actually provide the tools to generals just like yourself, uh, Doron, uh, to protect Israel, to, to be able not only to protect defensively within the context of your role, but also offensively. Exactly. So, so going back to the military strategy, we start with the offense. We have those uh, offensive uh, capability. We are waiting and uh, we know that if something would start, we would attack. So we would be operating also in the attack. By the way, it could be in uh, Iran, it could be in Syria, it could be whatever. So attack, this is one, one part of it. The second part is alert. <coughs> First, military intelligence overall and alert to the population. So we designed our defense in a way that the Israeli population, and by the way, statistics up to today in the last five years is that 99.3 of the rockets that were shot toward Israel, the Israeli citizens has alert. What does it mean, alert? Alert, it means that it it enabled them to go to the shelters. And uh, we talked about it before. So passive defense, this is part of the the defense of Israel. So you need good alert in order to uh, alert the the citizens so they could go to their uh, shelters. So it's, it's offensive capability, it's alert. It's deterrence also, uh, it's above everything because everything influences uh, our deterrence capability. So we hope that our enemies, by the way, saw exactly what happened in the last uh, escalation and the, and the capabilities of Israel to neutralize their leader, uh, which is 
Um, very, very impressive intelligence and uh, Air Force uh, capabilities. Striking three targets within the scope of 2.6 seconds. And very high level uh, of, Precision. Uh, of leaders. Yeah. And uh, so this is al- also influenced the deterrence. So I said alert, I said deterrence, I said uh, mm-hmm. attack. And then the defense capabilities, which is passive and uh, and active capability. So th- this is the first thing. This is the doctrine that would be applied to a situation that, uh, by the way, also a minor situation, but also large situation that we are being attacked from Iran. The second thing is the multi-tier defense. Mm. The idea of a multi-tier defense is uh, designed for exactly for this. Uh, and if we're looking on the defense of Israel, we're talking about the Iron Dome, which is, uh, I would say, the first layer for the short-range uh, rockets, which again, it still have strategic application, but th- those are against rocket. Uh, above it, we have the David Sling uh, system, uh, which was operated for the first time operationally during the last uh, escalation, and uh, 100% two out of two. It's not a big statistic, but it's still important to to show that it is already operated working. for the first time operationally. Yeah, during an or escalation. Or intercepted. For it, Because there were two rockets, if I'm not mistaken, that were fired from Syria at the time. Yeah, but it was not during escalation. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. So during an an escalation, it was the first time that uh, the system was introduced into the defense of Israel. And basically, we saw a a portion of of this uh, multi-tier defense. Mm. Above the, the David Sling, we have the arrow system. Which is uh, which is intercepting around the atmosphere and the arrow tree system, which uh, intercept deep in space. Now those two systems are against those missiles that might come from uh, Iran right. and long ranges. We're talking about those that would come from thousand, <coughs> thousands thousands uh, of uh, kilometers. Also, I think it is important uh, to mention uh, our United States uh, allies. Uh, lately, it is CENCOM, before it was UCOM. Uh, but uh, the, the Israel, Israel is working very, very close with the United States. And um, we are training uh, on it. And uh, this is something that um, we could see it happening during the last uh, few years, almost 20 years. That Juniper could, Cobra. Juniper Cobra, it's a good example. But, uh, but there are, you know, there, there are operational plans. It's not not only that it's an exercise, there are operational plans together with the United States that in such a, a situation that we would be attacked uh, from Iran, uh, we would also see some uh, U.S. capabilities here in Israel. We're talking about Aegis ships, we're talking about Patriots, we're talking about THAAD, yeah, yeah. we talk about massive uh, U.S. Uh, systems that uh, would be deployed uh, to Israel. To and enhance- it's a two-way street because <coughs> obviously early warning systems that alert the bases in uh, Poland and uh, uh, Romania ultimately are placed here in the region. Uh, They are declaratively at least uh, intended to intercept any missiles emanating from the Islamic Republic of Iran. It, well, you know, it, the United States, fortunately enough, I think that they have a lot of patriots. Right. So they, they can decide where, where they're deploying it. Uh, but we saw, by the way, our experience is from the Gulf uh, War. So we saw the U.S. Patriot here. Uh, fortunately enough, we didn't have any uh, war with Iran since then or with Iraq. Uh, but for the future, this is something that is planned. So this is also something that would be here to enhance the defense of Israel. So going again, going back to your original uh, question, this is something that we are looking at. This is something that we are planning our strategy, our defense uh, designs, and our uh, cooperation with the United States. 
United States in order to, to deal uh, with it. S having said that, uh, we understand that still there would be rockets and missiles shot toward Israel. There would be hits here in Israel. And this would, it's a war. When it is a full-scale war, war like a war, uh, this would be part of it. Uh, but uh, I think that, uh, I hope that our enemies are deterred. They understand that uh, it might be a mistake for their point of view uh, to do it. Uh, the Islamic Jihad just saw it. Uh, but we are preparing, if needed, to do whatever is needed. Indeed. Well, I'd move to another theater right now, but we don't have too much time, so we'll keep it briefly. Uh, when we're looking at uh, the Russian conflict, obviously it uh, triggered a lot of interest in Israel's multi-tier defense system mm -hmm. uh, due to the fact that the Russians, of course, have uh, the largest arsenal currently in Europe, uh, but also one of the largest in the world when it comes to surface-to-surface -surface capabilities. And they're applying these uh, missiles, of course, both statistical and precision kind of munitions mm -hmm. in the Ukrainian theater. Uh, the Ukrainians obviously have uh, relatively primitive uh, surface-to-air missile uh, capabilities. Nevertheless, uh, they also have been uh, receiving uh, capabilities both from the United States, Germany, uh, Germany of course, uh, uh, also still utilizing uh, from, from their old arsenals uh, what uh, at least is left mm -hmm. of their Russian uh, SA systems uh, to try and intercept uh, aircraft and also uh, shoulder-propelled uh, missiles uh, yeah. capabilities from uh, Great Britain and so on. But when we look at European nations beyond that, the, the uh, surface-to-air capabilities are relatively non-existent. Uh, even uh, the, the last uh, German chief of defense uh, neutralized it entirely and was now a, uh, in need of, of some sort of answer to potentially having a uh, uh, Ukrainian scenario move further eastward uh, through Poland and elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so to what degree now that we see, for instance, Finland uh, procuring the David Sling, the first country to procure this system from all over the mm -hmm. world, yeah. Germany uh, still in uh, advanced stages with the Aero 3, other exactly. countries communicating with Israel about these systems as well. Um, but they're all communicating about one single system rather than discussing multi-tier capabilities yeah. at this stage at least. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting because you know I was I remember being in it was uh, I think May two thousand and twelve uh, at the Che to Poland and uh, no 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 I was uh, in a conference in uh, Paris okay talking about the ballistic missile defense of Europe and they asked me to come as a keynote speaker to speak about what is happening in Israel on this. Uh, in this aspect. So the idea of multi-tier defense is known idea for Europeans for a long time. Mm -hmm. NATO is there with this uh, concept. Uh, uh, but there was a big gap, I would say, between uh, the military and the defense uh, of Europe uh, that would speak about this and the willingness to really to invest on system and to really go in depth and deal with it. And there was also this understanding that the United States would come with their capability. So this is like 10 and 15 years from now. I think that things have changed and, and you're fully right that the Ukrainian story is, is, a, is an eye opener, I think, for a lot of uh, um, countries uh, within Europe uh, for two things. One of them is that you want to need 
to you want to have your own capabilities because it would take time to have capabilities coming from different countries to help you. Mm. So this is one thing. And the second thing is 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 purely the capabilities of this idea of multi-tier uh, defense. There was, I think, again, in the last uh, 20, 15 years, there was a question in Europe about the willingness of Russia uh, to invade countries in Europe. It, they didn't... I think if you would ask five uh, or even... Nobody took it seriously. No one took it seriously. Even few few Except months... Except for Poland, maybe. Exactly. Poland, Finland, by the way. I mean, right. th- those yeah. which are uh, on, the, on the borders of, uh, of Russia. So, but now everyone sees it. So uh, those there are capabilities that were denied from the defense forces during those years. So they understand that now they have to purchase it. There is this idea of we have to defend ourselves. And also the Russian willingness that they saw, hey, there is a willingness and they saw it in Ukraine. So I think all of this together really um, bring up the, the idea that uh, the, everyone understands now that the concept of defending themselves, this is something uh, important and they are looking for different capabilities. And this is why we have a lot of countries now uh, visiting Israel and, and uh, looking for the Israeli defense and what did we do? What did we do here during the last uh, ten years? Everybody are learning uh, from uh, you and, and your colleagues, obviously. But uh, we have roughly two minutes, and I'd like to touch base on on one point, and, and that is the Ukrainian theater. Israel has, uh, of course, or is in the process of delivering an early warning system, which is a very significant part mm-hmm. of uh, air defense and capabilities, uh, ultimately to protect civilian populations. Uh, but uh, when we're talking about uh, integrating an Iron Dome system in Ukraine, is something like that even viable at this stage? I think that uh, Israeli uh, leaders uh, stated more than one that this is probably won't be the aid, aid coming from Israel, which is directly intercepting uh, Russian airplanes, UAVs, or uh, rockets. Alert, yes, this is a pure defense uh, uh, system, and and we also have to take in consideration that uh, uh, for Israel, the Iron Dome, uh, this is um, really uh, one of the most important uh, systems. And there is, uh, imagine yourself that for some reason, uh, such a system is falling to someone in this area uh, that uh, could see how exactly it works and things like this. So this is a big concern in Israel, uh, not only with Ukraine, by the way, with also other uh, other countries to really uh, to sell uh, the Iron Dome system. So I think that the interception part of it won't be probably over there. But when we're talking about alerts, some of the capabilities of the alerts are coming from the radars that are being built for the Iron Dome. So it is not maybe the interception part, but alert, uh, this is something that probably Israel would be helping with. I, I think also one factor which is very important to note is the fact that Russia has the S-400, uh, the most advanced system of the S-400 employed mm-hmm. in Syria and Latakia, and also various electronic systems integrated in Syria, which ultimately, if we would trigger 
various aerial defense uh, arrays in Ukraine, uh, these systems which have not yet been directed against Israeli aircraft and, and other uh, systems, at least not by Russian manned uh, mm-hmm. systems, uh, this would, uh, of course, this equation would change uh, completely. Yeah. I completely agree with you. This is a very important point that you brought up. Well, it was very informative, absolutely, and we'll have you back, I'm sure. Uh, so until thank next you. time. Jonathan. Thank you, uh, General Gavish. I'd like also to thank all of you at home. And until next time, from me here in Jerusalem, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.